0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. After a brief hiatus, we are back. I'm Nathan Ackerman. And I'm joined, as always, by Ty Daubert, who gave me the intro duties today for whatever reason. Terrible decision on Ty's part. But Ty, how are you doing on this lovely Friday evening? I'm good. I
1: am a little bit sick. My voice is it's it's recovering from from my sickness, but I'm feeling a little bit better than earlier. But I thought I would I would give Nathan these duties. Uh, let him handle it for the first time on this show, but yeah, we're, we're doing well on a Friday evening. We're going to get into some off season talk off season, really, honestly, my favorite part of the year. I'm not going to lie. Covering, covering baseball, talking about baseball. I just love all, all the action, all the rumors, all the potential moves in the off season free agency. And we're going to get into that the past few seasons, off-seasons, I should say, on the show. We've mapped out what our ideal off-seasons would look like if we ran the Phillies. We're getting into that time, and we're going to get into it again this off-season. So, ideal off-season time for us at the Phillies Nation podcast.
0: That's right. Always a fun time. And laying down some ground rules at first, we both decided to stay under the luxury tax for our ideal offseason pod. Otherwise, it'd be easy to just say, sign literally everybody. I know that's what a lot of people want them to do, but that takes away all the fun. So we stayed under the luxury tax. We used all salary projections, projections, excuse me, from MLBtradeRumors.com, their, their list of top 50 MLB free agents for this offseason and their salary forecast. So we stuck to all of those. And I think we can both agree that we put together realistic off seasons, maybe a little ambitious and hopeful, but definitely nothing that like couldn't possibly happen. So again, we say ideal off season for a reason. It's not like, you know, I I don't expect any of these, well, maybe one or two of them to actually happen. And I like to think I got a little creative. I know Ty, I'm sure you got creative with it as well, but that's kind of how we approached it. Did I miss any of the basic ground rules, Ty? Uh,
1: No, like, like you said, for the free agent signings for, any of the top 50 free agents. We went with the projections on MLB trade rumors. We used their arbitration projections as well. There's a little that's bit right. of stuff from, from SpotTrack uh, looking at if we made trades, like the salaries are from there. So kind of using mostly MLB trade rumors, a few other sites like Track. and yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it staying under the luxury tax and putting together a 2022 Philly state.
0: The other thing I can say is I can almost guarantee, I actually can guarantee that our math is 100% accurate here. And I know that because we are recording about 40 minutes later than we originally intended on doing because we were both getting the math straight. So we are both under the tax, not by much. Uh, There might be some things that come down to later in the off season where it's gonna be like, oh, they don't have a lot of wiggle room, but that's part of the fun. So Ty, Without further ado, why don't you kick it off? Give me your ideal offseason for the 2021-22 Philadelphia Phillies offseason.
1: All right, let's do it. So Phillies Nation's Johnny Heller projected in an article earlier this month that the Phillies had about $28.6 million in room under the luxury tax, um, according to some sites that he looked at their projections. And... That was before they made a few decisions to um, allow players to become free agents, including Oduble Herrera and Andrew Knapp. So that freed up 11, 11, and a half project, 11 and a half million projected dollars from for Oduble Herrera, $1.5 million for Andrew Knapp. So that brings that number up to a projected $41.6 million that we're working with under the luxury tax. And I'll tell you what, we used up a lot of that. We used up a lot of that room because that's what you have to do when you're when you're limiting yourself with this luxury tax. You got to get creative and you got to do what you can to stay under the number. So I think it's about time that we get into it. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, I think also the other reason we stayed under the tax was not just because it's a lot more fun and easier, you know, or harder than just to say sign everybody, but it seems like once again, they're not going to go over the tax. Like if there was a, 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 you know, likely thing that they would end up paying the luxury tax, maybe we would pay the luxury tax, but, you know, Dave, uh, um, Dombrowski was talking last, was it, was it last week about how they have a number in mind? He wouldn't say what the number was for competitive reasons, but he said, we have a number and, he said it's not that restrictive, but they have a number. I, to me, it just sounded like it was the luxury tax. So that's how I interpreted things, but I think that makes it even more. That
1: seems like what they've been operating with, except for last off season with COVID and no fans and everything, it was a little bit lower, but that does feel like the general kind of guideline they've been using over the last few seasons since they've, you know, signed Harper and everything.
0: All right, Ty, let's get into it. Are you ready?
1: The first move I'm that I am in. making, first move I am making as the Phillies head of baseball operations, I'm calling up the Los Angeles Dodgers and I'm trading Bryson Stott, Francisco Morales, and Kyle Gibson for one Cody
0: Bellinger. Oh my, you did not ease into it at all. I thought you were going to start with some of the more, uh, what's less chaotic. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Explain yourself. Explain yourself. So, Cody Bellinger, a really down year.
1: He battled injuries, um, had leg problems, shoulder problems. You think back to last postseason, he dislocated his shoulder, celebrating, I believe, a really bad year for his standards. But this is a guy who's a former MVP. He's projected to make about $16.1 million next season in arbitration. And he put together a good postseason with a lot of big moments, frankly, for this Dodgers team. And now the Dodgers probably going to lose both Corey Seager and Chris Taylor. I I think that's probably fair to say, if not safe to say. And I think that Bryson Stott could be someone they view as the shortstop of the future for them. And while maybe the Phillies could also see that, I think that they're in more of a position to want to go for somebody who has major league experience, who has that kind of that kind of track record. And then also for the Dodgers, you know, maybe Kershaw is leaving. They have some other question marks. They get Kyle Gibson, who was good last year for the most part, really kind of stumbled down the stretch for the Phillies. He's he's a guy that I if I was the Phillies, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to lock him into the fifth starter spot, to be honest, because of just some of the struggles he saw. Maybe the Dodgers think they can help him pitch the way he did with the Rangers. So I really think, and then you add in Morales, who's a guy with upside. Maybe he's, if the Dodgers turned him into a good reliever, I don't think that would be a shock to anybody. And I just think this is a fair trade for all sides, all things considered. The Phillies, they have a hole in center field. They got their center fielder.
0: You giving up Bryson's stuff. Have you seen what he's been doing in the Arizona Fall League? I have. And that's why that's why you're getting a former MVP in return. Yeah, but a former MVP who his numbers have fallen off every year since 2019. You could you could excuse look uh, 2020 happened. and It was like, okay, it wasn't a great year for him, but you can almost kind of throw it out the window because it was the pandemic shortened season. But last year was just brutal. Giving up Bryson Stott for a guy who put up a 542 OPS and gra- granted, you are, you ma- you make points. He had a great postseason, Gold Glove uh, outfield. But wow, that that's bold, Ty. That's bold. It is.
1: It is bold. But I think I think the injuries had a lot to do with this season. Like a, okay, a yeah. lot of injury stuff going on at once. I just think it's yeah. You say that's bold and. But if the Phillies, you consider their situation with where Harper is at this point in his career, where Wheeler is, where all these guys mm-hmm. are, what would be bolder is you go into you go into 2022 with either out a shortstop, you roll out a guy who was a pretty horrendous shortstop in Didi Gregorius next year. We can get into that a little bit later, or you head into 2022 with a shortstop who's never played in the majors. Now that that would be that would be bold, I think.
0: Okay. Well, you, you've you've created a uh, a, you've created a hole. I mean, they they already have a hole at short. You could argue, but now they're not going to fill it with Bryson Stott. So I'm I'm curious to hear so the rest you, of your idea. Would you like to hear, season.
1: Would you yeah. like to hear who they're going to fill it with? I I would love to. They're going to fill it, it a contract five years, one hundred million dollars. They're going to sign a division rival, Javier Baez.
0: Wow. Again, a guy coming off a not so great. I mean, he had a good conclusion to 2021, but other than that, the last few years haven't been outstanding from Javi Baez.
1: Correct. But he's still a guy that has great defender ability to move all over the place. And I still think while he's not of the caliber of the Correas of the Seegers of story is arguable, just um, maybe because of the season that he had, I think I think Javier Baez for twenty million dollars. Yeah, maybe he's not like an MVP contender like he he once was, but I still think that's a, a fair deal for a player who is who's
0: really good. See, the, the the thing I was thinking about Javi was it might be smartest for him to take a one year deal, high AAV or something like that, go prove himself, have a great season, and then hit the market without the other guys to compete with, and then he makes some real cash. That would. That would not surprise me
1: if that were to happen, but the parameters we chose, we used the MLB trade rumors projections, so yeah, that's what I went yeah. with. So I that's like how it. I'm filling shortstop. All right, action! All right, let's 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 keep going. Speaking of shortstops, D. B. Gregorius, we mentioned, very bad season in 2021. He really just struggled both sides, uh, both sides for the Phillies. I don't know how you could roll into the next season with him at the shortstop position. And you're probably not going to need to because you signed Javier Baez and now you're trading him. If I'm running Phillies, I'm trading Gregorius. That this is kind of a big prospect Just Stay with me. Gregorius, Casey Martin, Dominic Pipkin, and Ricardo Perez for Chris Stratton on the Pirates. He makes $2.2 mm-hmm. million uh, projected and arbitration had a solid season. I know it's a lot of prospects, but the pirates are taking all of DD's contract for this season. Martin was really, really, he really struggled last season. Pipkin, um, solid, solid year. I believe he's battled some injury stuff. And then Perez is a, a teenage catcher. So who has some upside, but that's the trade I am making That's saving you some money. After that, I still have twenty six point six million dollars in room. You still you still following as of right now?
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah. I think the thing that's the thing. I think I, I think most people when they talk about trading Didi, it's like total salary dump. That this doesn't seem like that. It seems like you're actually getting something back for him.
1: Yeah, you're getting a, like a solid reliever, and who's not? Who's not? Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, some of these guys that might get traded. Mm-hmm. But he's someone that is not exactly of a ton of use to Pittsburgh right now because they're going to be bad.
0: Really so, bad.
1: And then they get some, they get some prospects back. And Didi's only for one, one season. So then $26.6 million in room. I'm going to sign Rich Hill for $2.5 million. He's kind of taking up that spot that's left by Kyle Gibson in my trade to the Dodgers. After that, I am signing Brad Miller for 3.5 million dollars bringing him back. The DH is going to we're under the assumption that the DH will be back in the NL after a one-year hiatus. That just kind of leaves you with some options out there. He can platoon different spots. So I'm going to I'm bringing him back. After that, that le- that leaves us with looks like $20.6 million in room. I'm going to sign Hector, the protector, naris for two years, $15 million. I don't think there's a way that can let this guy walk. He's too important to this bullpen. Would you agree with that?
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, I do.
1: So $7.5 million on him. That gives me $13.1 million in room, which is about two moves worth. I'm bringing back someone you could argue is a phillies legend aaron loop for one year 6 million dollars aaron loop you could make who, that case yeah aaron loop he he made nine appearances for the phillies four innings in 2018 he was excellent for the mets this year probably won't be that good again but still
0: a solid addition 7. how much how 1. much, were you, how much oh. did you say you were you were how much were you signing loop for again 6 okay okay
1: that leaves me with $7.1 million in room. I'm going to sign a guy, a recent world series champion. We're going to reunite him with his old teammate and presumably friend, Cody Bellinger. We're bringing in Jock Peterson in that last spot that leaves us with a hundred thousand dollars in room. You think of all the possibilities you have the locks, you have Harper in right Hoskins at first Rio Mito at catcher. Also, I didn't go after a backup catcher because I didn't really have the room. Marshawn, he's gonna, he's gonna take care of business back there in, in this world. But you think you have Segura at second, Baez at short, Bohm at third, presumably. And there's still a little bit that can happen there if he struggles again. You know, Miller's on the roster. And then in center, you have Bellinger. Left field, you have a few guys to work with as well you have you have jock out there you also have matt verling on the roster you figure they could probably platoon i think that's a pretty pretty solid roster and then it's basically the same rotation as last year but instead of kyle gibson it's rich hill
0: i think the thing that jumps out to me about the lineup is it is it is pretty solid that ceiling pretty darn high the floor Also pretty low. If you if you have years like Cody Bellinger, Javier Baez, somewhat Jock Peterson had in 2021, that's those are some risky. That's a risky lineup. That's a risky. But as you were saying, those are guys with incredibly high upside. If they all pay off, even if they you know hit to their to their what their average might might you know expect uh, scary. Yeah, definitely. And then it still
1: kind of leaves you. I know Dave Dombrowski has said they'd love to have like a lockdown closer type. It doesn't leave them with that if you don't think Nerys can do it. I personally think naris can do it. Um, that That's up to interpretation. But it's still, from what they have right now, they bring back naris and they add two more solid relievers. I think that's, uh, and then who knows, maybe Sir Anthony Dominguez is back closer to form next year. I don't know if you can count on that hundred percent but when you think about it some of the some of the pieces that will still be in the bullpen alvarado Coonrod, brogdon seems like a a, a, it's another kind of thing where high upside but maybe the floor is also a little bit low but if 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 that roster can click like that's maybe a world series contender yeah
0: that's that's one of the best offenses in all of baseball if that line is clicking.
1: Yeah, you have two MVPs in in the outfield. And then your short like is a former MVP contender. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get I definitely get what you say. The floor, like that could be a disaster. And imagine imagine what people would say if they were struggling. Like the things people would say about Bellinger and, and Baez with all the big swings and the strikeouts. Like that would yeah. be it could definitely go south, but I think the upside is, like, too much to not consider.
0: So that was what scared me away from Joey Gallo. I had to trade in the works for Joey Gallo, and then I was like, does this lineup really need more guys who are going to strike out 36% of the time? And, like, this team, the situational hitting for years has just been – I can't even put into words how abominable its it's been – and I feel like Joey Gallo isn't exactly the solution to that problem. So that was kind of what I was thinking along those lines. But if you get the version of Joey Gallo where he's just hitting bombs and more bombs than singles, and he's not striking out 36% of the time, maybe only like 32% of the time, same kind of deal with the other guys you were talking about. That could be, that could be formidable.
1: Definitely. All right. Do you have your offseason all ready to go? Are you ready to unveil it? I'm ready to unveil
0: it. The first move that I have, I can't credit myself for originality on this one. I guess great minds think alike. I'm bringing back, honestly, I'm doing this like tomorrow. I'm bringing back Hector, the protector, two years, $15 million, yeah. 7.5 AAV. It's just, it just. Ha- I mean, the, 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 the second half to the season that he put last year was just incredible. Um, he's a guy that... I, I don't think personally he's fit for the closers role. I, I don't know what it is, but he just hasn't – he hasn't been the same guy in, the, in that spot. But you have a guy who can lock down six, seven, eight, you know, any one of those innings, maybe two of them on some yes. nights. Uh, I think I think a
1: guy who can pitch in those high leverage spots, he can come in with, with runners on in like the seventh and eighth inning, and he can pitch yeah. more than three outs. I think that's almost – more valuable than a one inning closer in a lot of in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah. And he also has kind of a rubber arm. It seems I, I, I don't have, I don't have the numbers on this, but I, I feel like he goes back to back to back more than any other reliever in the major leagues. Uh, he's only missed time for COVID in the last couple of years. So I'm bringing it back right away. I think that's essential. We'll get the duplicate moves out of the way. I'm also going for Rich Hill. The reason I say this is I'm not, in love with the starting staff. I, I I like it, but I think there are questions around really all of those guys and the depth. I don't know if it's, it, I mean, I, I know it's not really there. And the bullpen I think is like fine. I think some of the moves I have make it a little bit better, but uh, definitely not in love with that group either, even less so than I am with the staff. I think Rich Hill kind of kills two birds with one stone there. He's a guy that you know, can start until Zach Eflin's back per se, and there's going to be an injury that pops up somewhere. So we can definitely slide into that role, but he can also give you two, three innings out of the pen and be pretty effective there. So I think he's a guy that can fill both of those roles. I have them giving him $4 million. I think he's going to be a little more expensive than I think you had him. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I think a guy, he's going to be 42 years old. So maybe it's going to be less, but he put together a solid year last year. Um, some semi recent injury history, but not until you go a couple of years back. So I think it's going to take four mil, but either way, somewhere in that range, I think he's a good ad for this team. I'm going to bring him to Philadelphia. So far, so good. Yeah. Yep. All right. I am concerned about the options from the left side out of the Phillies bullpen for 2022. Uh, I like Jose Alvarado, might. Beyond on uh, might be an unpopular opinion there. I think he's fine, but he's just so erratic. You never know what you're going to get from him. I'm signing Andrew Chafin to a two-year, ten million dollar contract. I, I I had that at first around eleven or twelve million. I think it might not take that much. Um, I haven't. I I also think he's. I mean, I don't sign guys for clubhouse guys. I think that's kind of you know the approach they took. Um, in sort of the mid 2010s that didn't work with some of those veteran clubhouse presence guys, but the guy's awesome. Uh, hilarious dude. I think he'd be good for the clubhouse. I think he'd be good for the other guys in the bullpen too. I'm bringing him to Philadelphia on a two year, $10 million contract. I like it. I'm, I'm also giving a minorly. This was probably my favorite individual move in my whole ideal off season. I'm giving Reyes Maranta a minor league deal worth $800,000. This is a guy that if you watched him before the injury last year, and when he came back, he was not at all the same. The velo dipped. the stuff wasn't quite the same. He was wild, uh, just not as effective as he was a couple of years back. But when you watch him before he got hurt, that, that guy is nasty. It's like 98. He can spot it at any part of the zone. He's got the slider, which is just disgusting. Why not take a flyer on a, on a, on a guy like that? I think he's somebody that, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're looking for somebody who can fill that closer role and be reliable with it, uh, something that they've obviously lacked recently. If he works out, that's a pretty good deal for a guy that I think could fill that spot. So I'm giving him $800,000 uh, on a minor league contract with a chance to break the club out of spring training. We were talking about this before. It's going to present some issues because where I have them ending up is like, $500,000 shy of the, of the, of the tax. And if they put them on the 40 man, then they're like $300,000 over. So they're going to have to figure that out, cross that bridge when they get there, I figure they might as well take a flyer on him. Okay. This is where things get interesting. I'm giving DD Gregorius. And like you said, we were kind of expecting that we had the same prospect in this trade. Casey Martin to the Seattle Mariners. For a super, super low-tier prospect of Seattle's choosing, it really doesn't matter. It can be a PTBNL, whatever. Um, they're taking on all of Didi's contracts, so that's why I'm throwing in Casey Martin there, too. Can also throw in Kyle Dowie if they want, if that really must get it over the hump. Um, but that's kind of where I'm feeling. I feel like he would mesh with that team pretty well, their whole fun differential kind of thing. Uh, I, I I don't know. It feels like he'd be a good fit there. They need a second baseman. I think they might take that, and they're also a team that's not so aggressive that they're going to push all their chips in when now they're, they're also building for the future, too, which is why I'm giving a guy like Casey Martin, who has upside, but as you said, struggled in 2021. I'm giving him to the Mariners, see what they can do with him. Worst case, he doesn't work out. They got Didi there one year. Uh Maybe he feels you know, a niche little role for that team. Maybe he starts every day, whatever, not asking for a lot in return, just take on the contract. And like I said, some super low tier prospect. Okay. Francisco Morales. I am also trading along with Johan Rojas for Kevin Kiermaier. And the reason I say that is sure. Kevin Kiermaier is not the greatest hitter in the planet. That's kind of an understatement. This team for the last decade has just not cared a lick about defense and it's cost them. It was terrible in 2021. They can't go forward like that. They're going to have to start putting some thought into the defensive side of things because last year it was hard to watch. It cost them multiple games. And I think the sort of approach that they've been taking recently where it's just like, let's get the best hitters we possibly can not worry about if they can play in the field. It's, it's hard to watch and it doesn't work. And it's not like he's the worst hitter. If you plug him in toward the back of the lineup, he can you know do a little bit of stuff. Uh, but you're obviously trading for the glove here. It might be giving away a lot. You kind of have to do what you kind of have to do. He's going to be a popular guy in the trade market this year. Uh, Morales struggled, obviously, as well. Rojas is super promising, but you know something's got to give. And I think the one thing that the most recent World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, showed... Is that at some point you just have to go for it, and at some point you can't? Sure, prospects are nice, and I'm not trading uh, Stott, Painter, or Able, but at some point you got to part with the guys that you like. Um, you know, sort of toward the top of those tiers on the prospect list. I'm getting the defense here. I'm getting a guy who can who can provide some sense of defensive stability up the middle, trading for Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, and that then the big move def-
1: that definitely shores up the defense.
0: Yeah. And then the big move that, let me do some quick math. I'm signing, okay, so I have, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, one sec, minus, okay. So I've only spent about 14.5 million so far because I offloaded all of DD's contract, uh, which means I have about $27.1 million to spend, and 26.6 of those dollars are going to Chris Bryant. Welcome to the Phillies. The reason I say that is that this team, so many holes to fill. They need somebody who can play left. They need a big right-handed bat in the middle of, or they, not necessarily right-handed, but they, they need another big bat in the middle of that lineup. Ideally, it'd be nice to get Alec Bohm off of third base and into the DH role. They get Bryant to Philadelphia. They kill like three birds with one stone. Harper's friend, guy can rake. That's my ideal offseason. Like I like that. He
1: he has the ability to play different positions. If you yeah, if you want Bone to play third at times, he can play left. He can play third base. That's where he came up. You know, Kiermaier needs a night off or whatever. He can fill in in center field a little bit. I do, I do like that move. I thought about many ways to get Chris Bryant. I've talked to some people, um, you know, just, just different people who follow the Phillies and they come up with their own off seasons like we do. And some of them want Chris Bryant, like maybe even the play center field every day. Chris Bryant is a popular name among people who follow the Phillies, I would say. And yep. I think it'd be a good addition. It seems, seems like he's been like for a few years now, not exactly the white whale in the sense that Harper Machado was like we're going to be, but a guy that, that people who follow the Phillies have really kind of longed for.
0: Yeah. It seems like every, you know, every trade scenario, there's always somebody who's talking about Chris Bryant to the Phillies. Um, And the Harper factor, I, I, you know, you don't obviously, you obviously don't want to build a team based on who's friends with your star, but I don't know. Harper would have some fun with it. I think that'd be a really good ad. I think it would solve a lot of problems for this team. Um, one of the guys, I'm I, I'm going to mention a couple guys that I tried to find a way to acquire, and if they were going to go over the luxury tax, these are guys who I would want to see in red pinstripes. Um, One of them is Kyle Schwarber. I was actually thinking about him instead of Bryant. I was I was thinking about Schwarber and then a few other small ads uh, instead of the Bryant one, but you know, you get that left-handed power bat uh, apart from, from, from Harper who just hits absolute tanks and his left field defense is like, it's, it's not great, but it's gotten better from what it was early in his career. And then you have Kiermaier in center and it almost kind of makes it okay. But then I was like, okay, it doesn't really solve enough problems for this team. Like you still have Bohm at third. If you put him at DH, then you still have Bohm at third too. And it's like, then if you if you put Schwarber in left and boom at DH, then who plays third? Probably Gene Segura. Stott goes to second. Then who do you get at short? They don't have enough money to sign, in, in my opinion, any of the big ticket shortstops. So that was a guy that I would like them to try to, you know, at least dip their feet in the Kyle Schwarber waters, but I don't know if it's going to be possible. And then another guy who I tried to give an incentive-laden contract was Justin Verlander. I think it'd be a really interesting, ad. again, like I said, I'm not totally 100% in on the starting staff. I think that a guy with postseason experience and a guy who, I, the last time he pitched, the last full season he pitched, he won the Sion. So he's 39. He's obviously getting up there in age. He's had injury problems the last couple of years. But if you're getting a healthy version of Justin Verlander, that's helpful. And I was I was sort of thinking something where, they pay him like a base salary of something like 6 million, but then give him 750 grand per start. So if he makes 20 or 25 starts, it's probably more in one year than he would get, um, you know, in like absolute money from any other team. But then I was like, but then that also counts toward luxury tax. And then it's like, you don't want to give Justin Verlander $25 million when you're already pretty financially, uh, what's the word, constrained. So I kind of threw that one out the window, but if they had more money to spend, that's a guy who I would like to see in Philadelphia. Um, But yeah. And then there's obviously the big free agent shortstop that, you know, Correa Seager probably going to be upwards of $30 million. That's just too much for a team that doesn't have that much money to spend. So I was thinking about Trevor story for a bit around 21, 23. uh, I think MLB trade rumors had him at, but The home road splits kind of got me. I don't know if I really wanted to give them seven years like they were projecting or six years like they were uh, estimating. So kind of shied away from that. And that was, that was my thought process there.
1: Now, can you take us through your everyday
0: starters for the, for the players you did acquire? Yeah. So catcher, you got JT first base Reese Hoskins, second base, Gene Segura, shortstop. Bryson Stott, I have him winning the job out of um, spring training. Third base, Chris Bryant. Left field, I'm giving Matt Vierling that job and seeing what he can do with it. I was really encouraged by what I saw last year. He just hit everything so hard. Uh, center field, Kevin Kiermaier. Right field, Bryce Harper, DH, Alec Bohm. Which I think, by the way, I think a move there for Alec Bohm would help him on the offensive side a lot. I think some of the defensive issues that he had last year and really his whole career kind of translated over to the plate and just seemed like he lost all sense of his confidence. And if you take the defense, he's never going to be a gold glove third baseman or anything near that. I think I I don't even know if he's ever going to be, a you know, merely below average third baseman. I think, you know, there wasn't really anything positive that I saw on the defensive side from Alec in the last couple of years. So, Move him over to DH, have him rake like I think he still will. I think you got a pretty good lineup. Yeah, that would be a good lineup. Um,
1: maybe not like the upside of the one I put together, but yours yeah. is also probably a lot more realistic than the one I put together. I disclaimer, I do not think the Phillies will probably trade for Cody Bellinger. Like that's just just throwing out a hot take. I just don't think it's going to happen. But maybe it could I like I don't think it's the most unrealistic thing that you could ever imagine I think it's like not likely but could happen if that happened I don't think anyone would be like completely shocked so that's kind of just what you're what you're going for and kind of a a thought experiment like this what could happen and what puts you in the best position if you're running the team uh, for the if those things were to happen any other, any other thoughts on either one of
0: our off seasons? So we were talking about this actually just before we started recording, but one thing we both have is Raphael Marchand at backup catcher. I had a, tra- I was thinking about a trade that would send him and some way to get Didi in that package. And then also a prospect for like Joey Gallo. Um, but there wasn't really a fit there. Um, So I ended up keeping Marshawn and I actually think he's a pretty good option for the defensive catcher spot. But part of the reason I was thinking about moving him was what Logan Ohop has been doing in the Arizona folly. He's just, the guy is a stud. And, but also I think you can never have too much catching as an organization. So yeah.
1: The the only thing there is I kept Marshawn because of the financial implications of all the other moves I made. I just value them more than the backup catcher position. Yeah, he's a good defensive catcher, but I don't think that's what they need with how much RealMuto plays. And it's not like he's Wilson Ramos. You're not putting in a defensive replacement. So it doesn't matter as much how good the backup is on defense. Now, in general, it's not going to matter as much if there's a DH, but there were too yeah. many times where it felt like, Andrew Knapp was like their only bench option as a pinch hitter. And I think if there's no DH, they probably do need like a much better offensive backup catcher that can yeah. pinch hit.
0: But with the DH, it may not matter either way. Like, yeah, that was how I kind of, I kind of factored the, I kind of factored the DH into like my whole ideal off season. Cause I didn't really, I didn't really think, I mean, I thought about a bench. I thought, I, I thought about Brad Miller. I thought about, uh, Josh Harrison briefly in there guys like that. But then I was like, I don't know, package all that money and spend on a guy who can absolutely rake. You, you don't, I, I I don't think the bench is going to be super important. Maybe I'm wrong. And then they have guys there that can be semi decent already. Like Nick Maton is fine. I think Matt Vierling, if he eventually doesn't have a starting job for whatever reason, can be fine in that, in that role. Maybe there's money to bring Brad, Brad Miller back somehow. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I tried to bring
1: Freddie Galvez back as like kind of my utility guy, and it just it just didn't work because I real I, I had originally done it, and I realized like I don't have a starting left fielder right now, so I had to I had to let him walk free so I could bring Jock Peterson in because it just it just didn't work with the the restrictions that we had because of luxury tax
0: yeah and again if they were going to pay the luxury tax this would be a whole lot easier because I would say sign Correa Castellano Schwarber welcome to Philly (laughs) trade for Kiermaier all that good stuff
1: yeah yes exactly yeah
0: that's all I got Ty I think we had we were we, we we took interesting approaches to this I think you're you're definitely right that your team has the higher ceiling uh, I think I think your team also has has the lower floor. Maybe that just means I wasn't fun enough with my ideal off season.
1: Yeah, I've I've had a little more practice than you. I've done this twice already. So I kind of I kind of went in knowing that I'd have to get pretty creative and maybe a little bit ridiculous with it. So that's what I that's what I did next year. Next year, now you know you're gonna have to trade for for somebody unexpected. I did appreciate your reaction when I said I was trading for Bellinger. That was fun.
0: Well, I just thought you were gonna you're gonna ease into your big move, but right off the bat, you're like Bryson Stott. I'm like, what? Where's Bryson <laughs> Stott? <laughs> Interesting. Um, I had to. You know, one the of the season. yeah, it did, it did. One of the other things I was really curious to see what you're doing was, and this is something I I grappled with for I literally days. When I say days, I mean literally days. What do you think actually happens with Didi Gregorius? He's on the roster. Starting?
1: I don't know. Yeah. Not sure. I do think he's on the roster. He might be their DH. (laughs) If if, If he can hit like he did in 2020, he'd be a fine DH. Yeah. 2021? Not so much
0: yeah not, that, that's not pretty much, much it i just
1: don't i just don't think i like to trade dd for somebody for somebody of value like just how i described it it took a lot of it took three three like decent prospects and i don't know if that's something they're actually going to be thrilled about doing so i think he's probably yeah. on the roster to start the year who knows though things can definitely change in the meantime that's right all right, that's that's all I have for my offseason. I want to I want to thank Johnny Heller for putting together his um offseason article with how much room the Phillies have. He unfortunately could not be here for this episode. He normally loves putting together his off seasons, but he just couldn't he couldn't make it tonight. So shout out to Johnny. Everyone follow him on Twitter at Johnny Heller if you don't already. And follow us, follow Philly's Nation at Philly's Nation. I'm at Ty Daubert. What are you? Are you just at I Ackerman? I think I'm
0: at Nathan Ackerman underscore.
1: All right. Everybody, like that. give us a follow. That's all I have. Thanks for listening to everybody who tuned in for what is the most fun episode of the year.
0: Yeah, like Ty said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. What is always one of the most fun pods? Actually, this is my first time doing the ideal offseason pod, but... Certainly seems like one of the most fun pods of the year and of the off season, particularly let us know in the comment section, Phillies nation, wherever on Twitter, whose ideal off season you liked more, whether that's more realistic, higher ceiling, lower floor, all that good stuff. We'll be recording another edition of the Phillies nation pod next week with a very special guest that we're going to keep a secret for now, but definitely stay on the lookout for that until then. Thanks for tuning in.